Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. All right, well, my name is Andrew. Where's my wife at? Raise your hand. Right in front of me. So we've got... See, that's what I like to call the icebreaker. Now everybody is laughing. I knew she, I had no idea she was right there. Okay. So welcome, everybody. We're really excited everybody's here tonight. Um, I had a terrible dream last night. So in this dream, <coughs> Ben Craigness, there he is. Ben Craigness was in this dream. So I, I was sleeping, really good sleep. And in this dream, I was at this service. Everybody was here just like you are. And then five minutes later, everybody got up and left. And then Ben was the only one that stayed. And I said, Ben, where did everybody go? And he's like, dude, there's some free ice cream outside. They're all like outside. <laughs> I woke up and like I was tossing and turning for an hour like, oh, there's no ice cream truck outside. That's not good. <laughs> oh. No. So tonight we're going to talk out of James, okay. And just to give you a little background on James, James was what we would consider the pastor of Jerusalem. He was, for all intents and purposes, somebody really important in the original church. He was the guy that the Apostle Paul went to when there was a dispute. In Acts 15, we see a story of um, there was some question about circumcision. And Paul and Barnabas were told to go to Jerusalem and talk to the elders there to get the dispute settled. Ultimately, the, the Acts tells us that James was the one that set, to settled the dispute. So I give you that backdrop to say that this was a man that when he spoke, we needed to listen. In the, in the book of James, we find, we find insight for really practical living, for holy living. We find insight for what it means to resist the devil. We find insight for what it means to handle our daily desires and, um, and not walk in sinful passions. So James 1, 14 through 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So we're going to pick apart this scripture in just a few minutes, and this will be kind of the platform for how we proceed. So the word lust in our culture, is given a real sexual undertone. It's not a sexual word. So when you see that word lust, its base meaning is desire. And it doesn't, the word in the Greek doesn't, doesn't denote a good desire or a bad desire. It's just a desire. So carrying that word over to the next, it says when we're going to, and, and I'm going to replace, when you say the word lust, I'm going to replace it with the word desire. So when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin brings forth death. So I have a question for you. Did anybody sin today? Go ahead, raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. Yeah, yeah you definitely look like you sinned. Yeah, you sinned. <laughs> okay, just kidding. So why aren't you dead? Because the death that he's talking about here isn't a natural death. It's a spiritual one. So let's back up to verse 14. It says, but each one, when he is tempted, he is carried away and enticed. The word carried away in the Greek is a hunting and fishing term. It means to be lured out. So does anybody hunt? Does anybody fish? Yeah. 
a couple of people that hunt and fish. Okay, so what that, what that, that term meanings that if you're a hunter, what are you doing? You're trying to lure your prey out of a hiding place. That's what the term that um, James is using here. And he says, each one is lured out and baited. The word enticed here means baited. So what do you use when you hunt? Bait. Thank you. So each one of us is lured away and baited by his own desire. Then when that desire has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. So essentially what James is telling us here is, hey, our desires is what's causing the spiritual death in your life. How many of you have been looking at your life and go, hey, I don't experience the Holy Spirit's power on a day-to-day basis. I don't see it in my job like I want to see it. I don't see the Holy Spirit or I don't feel the presence in my life every day like I see in the scripture. Truthfully, I feel kind of dead. See, James here was talking to the church saying, this is why your desires are causing you, again, remember, they're not a good or a bad desire. And we're going to go over to Matthew and I'll explain to you what that, what that means. But our desires were causing us to sin, causing us to live in a spiritual death. And he's talking to the church. So he's talking to the people that are saved. He's saying, hey, your desires are causing you to sin, causing you to die a spiritual death or live in a spiritual death. Okay, so now we're going to go, I'm going to explain to you Satan's tactic and how he uses your desires to produce the death in your life. See, his tactics haven't changed in three or 400 or 500 years. They're the same. And when you study the scriptures, you can find and understand how the enemy will come to attack you the exact same way he attacked the believers of the original church. So let's go to Matthew 4. So it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now I have a question. How many of you in the last week right, have gone to your accountability partner, your pastor, your friend, your mom, and said, I did it again. Satan tempted me, and I turned those stones into bread. Doggone it, I was so hungry, I did it again. I'm sorry, that's not on my top ten list of sins. It's just not, okay. So why? Why is this important? What was the intent of this? So the, the key is if you back up from uh, where he said it is written, he says, he then, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He then, talking about Jesus, became hungry. What is hunger? It's a desire. Ding, 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 ding. That's what it is. So let me ask you this question. Is hunger a bad desire? No. No, you see, Satan came to Jesus and said, hey, you're hungry. Why don't you just eat something? What would have happened if Jesus would have given in to that? James tells us he would have sinned and brought forth spiritual death. You see, 
Satan's, temp- Satan's tactics for you are the very same. He will come to you. Now, that desire, again, it could be a good desire or it could be a bad desire. It does not matter. He can use it to draw you out because what does it say? It says he lures you out and baits you with your own desire. Whoa. Now, back that up. He lures you out and baits you with your own desire. So Jesus was hungry, so he's trying to lure Jesus out, bait him, get him to sin, and thus spiritually die and stop it right then and there. So how does that apply to you and I? Okay, so let me give you an example here. Wait, let me give you another scripture before we do that. Okay, so if you're luring something, okay, what are you, what, what are, where, if you're, you're, you're saying that you have to lure it from something, right? So, at, okay, if you're a hunter or you're a fisherman, where are you luring its prey from? It's safety. Essentially, it's hiding place, right? It's hiding from somewhere, so you're trying to lure it out from its hiding place and get it, right? So, if that's what Satan does to us, if that's what he's trying to do to us, where is he luring us from? Essentially, we have to be somewhere, right, in order for us to lure us out. Where is our hiding place? It's in Jesus. Let me just give you the scripture for that. It's Colossians 3, verse 3. says, you have died and your life is hidden in God, in Christ Jesus. The Bible doesn't use adjectives on accident. When it said you are hidden in Christ, he meant it. You are hidden in Christ. You see, the enemy... In 1 Peter 5, what's the description of the enemy? It says, be on the alert, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So that word actually, in the NSB, the word seeking, actually means to make due use of an opportunity in the Greek. So what is he trying to do? Okay, He's trying to walk around and find those Okay, remember, you're hidden. That's, that, that, that's been done. Okay, that's been decided. The scripture already said that about you. That's done. You are hidden. You don't, the, John 15 said, hey, abide in me and I in you. It didn't say get in me. It didn't say get in me and then abide in me. It said abide in me, which means to stay somewhere. That word abide means, in the Greek, it means to not move on, to not go somewhere. You're, that part, of, that part of, of your Christianity, of your walk, has been decided. You are in Christ. Of God are you in Christ Jesus. You're there because he puts you there. That's done. So go back, to, go back to James and Peter. And what are they saying? Hey, when the enemy comes at you, all he's going to do is going to try and lure you out from your hiding place in Christ with your own desire and then what does Peter say that the roaring lion's going to do to you? He's going to devour you. So <clears throat> let me ask you this question. I've heard, I've heard some preachers mispreach 1 Peter 5. They'll go on and they'll say, he's like a roaring lion. Let me ask you this. Did Peter use the adjective roaring lion on accident? I'm, I I don't think he did. I think that when he said roaring lion, he meant it. And I've also heard preachers say, well, he's a gumless lion. He doesn't have any teeth. I don't know that I've ever met a roaring lion that doesn't have any teeth. That could devour you. And this isn't to puff the enemy up. 
You see, because what does Colossians say? It says you're hidden in Christ. So I do believe that that lion is blind. I believe that he can't see you. And so what's he doing? He's walking around trying to lure you out of your hiding place in Christ. And so that he can devour you and ultimately produce spiritual death in your life. See, we, we all walk around. Let, let me ask you this. What's the one thing that all of us would say death has in common? It stinks. It stinks real bad. Right? Yeah, it stinks. So think on that one. We'll get to that point in a minute. So if that's, if that's the enemy's tactic for you and it hasn't changed since it all started, what we really need to know and what we really need to understand is, okay, how do I deal with him? Because he's walking around. He's prowling. He's like a roaring lion, right? So how are we to deal with him? Well, the Bible gives us two very specific ways that we are to handle the roaring lion. Now, in James 1-2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials of various kinds. The word consider it in the Greek is hegeomai. What it means is to lead or to have authority. Now, say that a little differently. Say that scripture a little differently. Have authority and joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. So here's, let me give you a practical example, okay? This is my practical example, okay? So when the Lord began to give me this revelation in my life, okay, I didn't realize how much I was on the sin, desire, sin, death, desire, sin, death, desire, sin, death. It was eating me alive. It was destroying my work. It was, it was really taking a toll on my marriage. And I was the cause of it. You see, death is what, what is it ultimately? It's a fruit. What is it a fruit of? Sin. Sin is ultimately a fruit of what? Desire. So death, when the Lord opened my eyes to this and showed me that death what, what, what is what was reigning, be it in my job or be it in my personal life, with my friendships, with my family, with my children, with my boss, death stinks. And it's what was reigning. There's a dead end in this, in this cycle. S desire, sin, death. It's a dead end. You can't move on from that. When you're constantly living in your desires that draw you out from your place in Christ, it's a dead end. It's a death cycle. You just keep going around and around and around and around until you ask the question, how do I stop getting lured out by my desires? And now let's go back and remember that these desires, we have not classified them are good or bad desires. They're just desires. You see, Jesus was hungry. That's the most basic human desire you could possibly have. And why did, why did they use that example? Because that's something everybody in this room experiences on a daily basis. So if the enemy can use hunger to draw the enemy out, what are some other things that he can use? Well, I'll give you my personal example. <sighs> no, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. Okay, so 
at work, okay, let's just say I'm at work, I'm a supervisor, and I get, I get a couple, like 15 people report to me. And so I'm doing my job, and I get an email. That email says, Andrew, you hosed up job XYZ, and oh, by the way, I think so-and-so said this about you, and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, that sucks. Like, I don't think any of that's true. That's terrible. That's not me. I didn't do that. So I've got a couple of choices right then and here. I can go and get mad and get angry. What does that sound like? Does that sound like sin to you? And we'll go back to my desire in a second. I'll explain what the desire was. But let's just say I got drawn out because I'm angry. So I go around to my coworkers and I say something like, hey, did you, did you hear what the boss said? Yeah, can you believe that? That's ridiculous. Man, can't, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know. And so then we begin to gossip. That sounds like sin. So then we can, we can go around and have this, this cycle and this thing that goes around and this sin cycle that we get going on because of an email that was sent. Or if I don't get angry, I can get fearful and I can react out of fear and I can start trying to manipulate people, manipulate my coworkers, manipulate my boss. Okay? That's sin. Then what happens after that? Death. There's a spiritual death that takes place. And remember, it stinks. It smells really bad. So you want to know what my base desire was? To be a really good employee. How is that bad? Right? How is it bad to be, want to be a really good employee? Well, so-and-so said that about me, and I, that's just not true, and I don't want to be like that. No. You see, Jesus said, don't count Equality with God, something to be grasped or held on to, yet humble yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus took it all away. So, I, there, there I am. I'm on the death cycle, right? I'll give you one more personal example. My lovely wife. I don't know what I'd do without her. So, in my marriage, I have a desire to be right. <laughs> I'm right. And I might get something thrown at me for saying this, but a lot of times I have been right. But let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something. If that desire, whether good or bad, draws you out, causes you to sin, ultimately produces death, it's wrong. Jesus wants to deal with your desire. It says in Romans 6, so go back to James. He says, Desire, sin, death, those three things are synonymous, right? You can almost use them as synonyms when you see them explained in the scripture like this. So go to Romans 6. It says, he died unto sin. He died unto it once so that sin may not have dominion over him. But what is he really saying? He's saying he died so that desire doesn't have dominion over him. You see, desire doesn't control Jesus. He died to his desires. And Colossians says that that's where you are. That you're seated in him. And so you don't have to respond to your desires that cause you to sin and cause you to have spiritual death in your life. Let me tell you something. Spiritual death in your life, whether you're, you go to church every Sunday or not, is what the world sees. It stinks. Jesus, or the Apostle Paul said, we are the aroma of Christ. And we spread the sweet fragrance of aroma everywhere we go. How can we do that? When we're constantly lured out, baited by our own desires, ultimately causing sin and developing death in our lives. 
We stink. Jesus wants to, Jesus wants to open up our eyes. See, again, it's really about opening up your eyes. Because, again, he's not going to do anything more than what he did for you on the cross. It's really about the Holy Spirit coming in and illuminating your spirits, our spirits. That's what we need. There are, so what are we supposed to do? Okay, what do we do? When the roaring lion, he's out there prowling around. Right? He's out there. He's ready. He's knocking on your door. He's, he's trying to lure you out. The Bible gives us two specific, very specific things. Because here's one thing I've always heard about being seated in Christ. Is, well, you're not supposed to do anything. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. How, how can I have an active Christian life, okay, be living a godly life, and not do anything? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the godly Christian walk okay, is very active. Very active. So let me give you two specific things that we can find in Scripture to deal with the enemy. See, James 1, 2, consider it, have authority, and joy. So what are you supposed to do when you're in the trial and you're in the battle? You're supposed to take authority, but enjoy. Thessalonians 5 says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that you give thanks in all of your circumstances. It doesn't say only when things go your way. You see, that was me standing there, getting that email, going, getting all frustrated, okay, because, oh, the boss did it again. No, you see, the Bible says, hey, you want to you wanna get out of the way, Andrew, and let the Holy Spirit come in and change that situation for you. Because let me tell you something. God cares more about activating his spirit in your life every day than you have any idea. And he wants to live with you in a real and living way that you've never experienced before. But we get in his way when we react to our desires. We try to take control of the situation instead of acting on the word which tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances. You know what the opposite of giving thanks is? What is it? Somebody say it. Complaining. You ever meet a complainer? Do you like being around complainers? They're hard to be around, right? They're really hard to be around. They're really negative. They're hard to, you know, to, to you know, do life with. So do you know what complaining does? 1 Corinthians 10 says, let us not grumble, let us not complain as some of them did and where they were destroyed by the destroyer. That is talking about, it's, it's, it was referencing a story in the Old Testament where the Israelites complained and were swallowed up by the ground. The ground opened up, swallowed them whole. Why? Because they were complaining. So, if we say today that the praising God opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come into our life and move in our situations, what does complaining do? It does the exact opposite. When you start complaining about your situation, no matter where you're at, where, how bad it seems to be, you open up the door for the devil to come in and have wreak havoc on your life. I didn't write it, the Bible did. 1 Corinthians 10, look it up. They complained, and they were destroyed by the destroyer. The Bible tells us to do the exact opposite. It tells us to give thanks in all of our circumstances. 
You see, we need to close the door of complaining off because that complaining, that's a bait. It'll draw you out. It'll draw you right out. But I'm right. But I, I did it right. I, I deserve that A. Right? Well, let, me, let me ask you this. You ever, you ever been in a situation where maybe, you know, as a student, you felt like you were done a wrong, right? Like, hey, that's not right. I deserve a better grade. Or I have a desire to be the best X, Y, and Z. Okay, but I always get stuck with so-and-so in class. Doggone it. You only laugh because it's true with somebody out there. Yeah, I know, I know, I know that guy, yeah. <coughs> no. So what does that cause you to do? You get frustrated. You get mad. You see, we, again, we go back to the word lust, and we have to get over our cultural barriers because our cultural barriers say, oh, lust is really talking about, you know, sex before marriage. You know? We've got to get rid of that and understand that sin produces death in your life. It doesn't specify what sin. It says sin produces death in our lives. I don't want to be a spiritually dead Christian. I want to be somebody that where Jesus said, hey, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I, I, I ex- Jesus expects for us to live this holy life. You see, in John 15, it says, this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. What does that tell you? It tells us that God is holy for us. There is no greater force in the universe than, than what we have that is for us. He is holy for us. He is holy for you succeeding in your careers. He's holy for you succeeding in your relationships, with your families, with your significant others. He's holy for you. We've got to get off this desire, sin, death bandwagon. It isn't complicated. So the first thing that we do is when we find ourselves about to get lured out, okay, let me just tell you, the first time you start doing this and you start, it's not easy, okay? It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, you actually have to put some effort into it and go, no. Okay, so, let, so let's just do this. Okay, email comes again. Andrew, you did a bad job. Again. Okay, which that doesn't happen just like that. Okay, that's a little bit of an overstatement. I've worked at my job for 10 years, and it's a great job. I love it. So I get the email. I can get angry. I can get mad. I can gossip. I can get bitter. I can walk in unforgiveness. Or I can fulfill James 1, 2 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. Holy Spirit, Father, I give you. I give you this situation, and I thank you and praise you for it right now. Thank you, Lord God, that this person that said something about me that isn't true, I give it back to you. Thank you, Lord God, that you've got it under control. What did I just do? I got out of God's way. I got right out of his way. I didn't get lured out. And that opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and turn things around. And let me just tell you, this works. This works. This isn't a formula for the Holy Spirit's power in your life. This is gospel truth. The Holy Spirit wants to be more active in your life than you understand. He wants more of a place in your life. And all it takes is us to get off the sin, the desire, sin, death bandwagon. Just get off. Hop off. Say, I'm done. Okay, so let me ask you this. If it's so simple, right, 
And if that's just as easy as it is, and okay, Andrew, desire, sin, death, I stop reacting to my desires, I start praising God, why don't we, why doesn't everybody just do that, right? How come we aren't all just experiencing God's Holy Spirit power in our life, right? Well, here's why. Go back to 1 Peter 5, what's it say? It says, be on the alert, be sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. See, most of us read that scripture and go, oh, take a nap. Don't look outside. There's a cute kitten who's going to make me breakfast when I get up. Hey, I'm just saying, that's, I only say that because that's me, right? I read that, that's how I read it for a long time. Yeah, well, you know, he doesn't have any teeth, you know. He's gumless. He's like a roaring lion. You see, Here's, here's why we don't take it more seriously. Let me ask you this question, okay? Let's just assume that you had this mansion, okay? And this mansion had everything that you needed in it for the rest of your life. And you could live inside that mansion with never having another need in your life. Need. But you've got some wants, right? Uh, yeah, who doesn't have some desires? So you look outside and there's this big mountain of cash, Okay, or let's just say there's a new car, you, X, you fill in the blank, it's out there. Right next to that desire is a roaring lion. That roaring lion, he's got his teeth bared, all right, and he's just, you know that once you go out there to get that thing, he's going <laughs> to eat you whole. He's not even going to part you off. <laughs> One swallow, Done. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Would you ever walk out of your mansion to go get that pile of cash in that car? Why? Why not? Because you can see him, right? You know there's a roaring lion there. So let me ask you this, or let me make this statement. We get lured out by our own desires because we don't see or recognize or perceive the roaring lion. You don't recognize, we don't recognize that a simple desire like wanting to be a good employee, wanting to be right, wanting to be the best ex in the world, wanting to be hungry, what? You don't recognize that, we don't recognize that that is the roaring lion. You say, well, what? does that mean every time I'm hungry? Then I'm No. What I'm saying is, is that you begin, when you're lured, you know it. You know it. You know it. You start to feel it. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going south. I'm about to get in a fight. I'm about to throw down with this person. You know, I'm about to do it. It's all over. See, once you get lured out, you don't have a place anymore. You're done. Once you get outside of your hiding place, you get devoured. That's That's what the Bible says. He says you get devoured when you get lured out. So the trick is to what? To don't go outside to get the cash, right? So you, and look, go, back, go back to Matthew, okay? And Jesus, he says he was hungry, right? Let me ask you this. Did Jesus ever get to eat again? So what happened? Ultimately, God did what for him? God fulfilled his desire. God brought to him what he was Wanting and desiring, God gave it to him. So could it be something like a desire for a spouse, a mate, desire for a good job? You see, Satan will always offer you a shortcut. 
it may be the very thing that God's called you to do. You may marry that very person that God called you to marry. You may get to that. <clears throat> but it's the way that you get to that that God's concerned about. After the, the word says that after Jesus was tempted, you know what it says? It says he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So after he went through that process, through that, that luring, that baiting, staying seated, he was infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when you see his ministry beginning. So what's the other thing? So we know if praising God, which let me just say, that sounds bizarre and you're going to feel really silly doing it. Try it sometime, okay? So I, I, I encourage you so much because you're going you're gonna to be in the middle of something that's going to happen. You're going to get that text message. You know, your, your mom will upset you, whatever it is. Okay, throw it back to the Lord. Say, Lord, I praise you for this. I give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus, so much for this because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus that I give thanks for all of my circumstances. No matter what, that's what the board says. So, Father, I give that back to you. You will be amazed at what God does for you because it's the way he said it should be done. It works because he says it does. So that's number one, right? What's the other way? So what did Jesus do? He used the word. So <clears throat> we need to discern when do I use praise and when do I use the word? Well, let me ask you this question. If, let, okay, so let's go, Sam gives me $10, right? Thank you, Sam. I take that $10. That's all that I need for the rest of my life, okay? He's given it to me and it's all my fulfillment. I've got his $10. What am I going to do because I don't need anything else. Remember, it's, it's everything that I need. It's all I need, 10 bucks. So, <laughs> I wish. So, <laughs> what's so funny about that? I wish I could live on 10 bucks. So, if you're hungry. So, I, at this point, this $10 is everything I need. All I'm going to do at that point is thank Sam. I'm just going to thank him. When it comes to the promises of God, things that God says are done, you don't need to ask him to do anything. You don't need to ask him to overcome sin in your life. He said it's already been overcome. You need to thank him that it's done. You need to thank him that your desires have been overcome. You see, we walk around, how many times, okay, we do this, we, we sin, and then we're like, oh, Jesus, I did it again. Help me never do that again. I promise I'll never do it again. I'll do ten push-ups, please. You know? No, and Jesus is just saying, hey, we died to that, remember? That's done. That's over with. You just need to thank me that it's done. You see, the blood of Jesus, it cleanses you from every sin, ones that you don't even know about. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. That if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from every sin. That's what it says. So when... You're talking about sin. You need to just thank the Lord that it's done. You need to just say, Lord, I just thank you. I praise you. I worship you. So when you're tempted and trying to get lured, when the enemy is trying to lure you out by your own sin, what are you supposed to do? Thank you, Jesus, that it's done. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus and that I'm seated in the heavenlies. Right? So that's what we do. We offer that praise back to him because when it, thing comes, think, when it comes to things concerning things that facts, there are many facts in the scriptures, and when it comes to those things, we thank Jesus. Now, when it comes to things like dealing with the devil, 
and go back to the beginning of Matthew 4, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry, and the tempter came to him. So here's something we all need to recognize, that you can be absolutely 110% led by the Holy Spirit and find yourself face-to-face with the devil. So, what do we do? Well, number one, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, help me recognize the roaring lion. Open up my eyes to see it. Because, remember, he's blind, you're not. The word of God says, the, the word testifies about itself and says, you are, the word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. You're not blind. You have everything you need concerning godliness. That's been done. So, We need to recognize when we're dealing with things that are done or when we're dealing with the devil. See, the Bible gives us two very distinct ways. Can I get the worship team to come up? The Bible gives us two very distinct ways on how to handle these things. Your desires, he says, praise. Praise the Lord. Have authority over your desires. Have authority over your trials by exuberating that joy. When it's talking, when you deal, when you find yourself face to face with the enemy, you need a word. In each and every situation that Jesus, when he dealt with the enemy, he used the word. See, the word of God is living and active, powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing the vision of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is what you need. It's what he has equipped us with to deal with the enemy. So, Get in it, study it, desire it. Ask the Lord to give it to you, to show it to you. So we're gonna pray now, and I wanna pray for all of you because if we can truly, let me just say this, it's not hard to stay inside your house when you know there's a roaring lion out there. It's really easy and it's really simple because when you recognize that your desire, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, good or bad, doesn't matter, draws you out, it's a lot easier to just sit down and say, Lord, I praise you, I worship you, I give you all the thanks and all the praise. It's not hard. I know I just contradicted myself by saying, no, that's not easy. But once you start to do this, it'll become a pattern and you'll recognize, I can't have anything to do with that because I know what's out there. I get devoured. But if I stay here, I can have authority. I can have joy. I can experience God's presence in my life every day. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.